Well, listen, really quickly, I wanted to just, um, before Brandon gets started preaching, I just wanted to say thank you to you. I know not everybody knows kind of what's going on, but my husband has been in the hospital um, since Tuesday. Um, what we thought was a kidney stone and then we thought was a bowel obstruction turned into a ruptured appendix that had contaminated the whole inside of his body. Um, and he had surgery um, on Friday. We are anticipating several more days in the hospital. So I just I thank you for your prayers, continued prayers for him for complete and total healing and that we won't have to be there much longer. Um, but I just want to say thank you to so many of you who have been praying, those of you that have just taken good care of us, good care of our children and our family. We just really can't thank you enough for that. It's in moments like these that you are aware of the importance of a church family and what they uh, mean to you and how they take care of you. And so I just thank you all for that and ask you for your continued prayers for him, um, that it will all get cleared up and that he will be able to come home sooner rather than later. They did also shave his beard off. So I know. Everybody's asking for pictures. He said, not until I can get the rest of it kind of cleaned up. Um, but even his own children had not seen him without a beard until yesterday. So <laughs> they wheeled him back in. I was like, who is that? Did you confuse my husband with someone else? Who is that guy? So thank you for your continued prayers. We really, really appreciate it. And now we're going to turn it over to our father of the year, Brandon Bailey, to bring the word this morning. Thank you. All right, I'm on. Good morning. Uh, well, I'm Brandon Bailey. I'm filling in for Pastor Jeremy today. He is out on vacation at the beach, and I'm thankful that our pastor can get away for a little bit, amen, because that's good for him and his family to take care of his family and get some rest. He's going to come back just supercharged, ready to lead us on, right? So uh, in that regard, since he's out, you know, Pastor Jeremy is in a lot of ways just an awesome father to us all, right, as our pastor, a spiritual father. So He'll be listening to this uh, later in the week when it's posted online. So how about we all wish him a happy Father's Day, okay? Are you with me? Yeah. Uh, on three. Okay, one, two, three. Happy Father's Day! All right. Thank you, Pastor Jeremy, for being a great father to us all. Wow. So Father of the Year, I think, uh, could have been given to a better man. Uh, <laughs> that was a surprise. Thank you. My wife's going to be disappointed that she wasn't here. She's home with a sick baby. Finn's sick today, so, um, so she's doing uh, an awesome job with him today. So um, I thought today as we get started, in honor of my father, I've got to start with some cheesy dad jokes. Yes. Is that cool? Yeah. Now, they won't be as good as the ones my dad tells. He, he is famous for telling the same three really hilarious cheesy jokes everywhere he goes. Thousands of lives have, lives has been touched by his jokes, um, but in honor of you, Dad, I want to share some cheesy dad jokes. Y'all ready? All right. So, did you hear about the restaurant on the moon? Great food, but no atmosphere. <laughs> All right. I told you they were cheesy. Uh, what do you call a fake noodle? An impasta. All right. You like that? Okay. How many apples grow on a, tree, on a tree? All of them. And uh, do you want to hear a joke about paper? Never mind, it's, it's terrible. All right, cheesy dad jokes. Well, <laughs> I had to open that up with that. 
Uh, really, I think that the worship team, and great job, by the way. Can we just give them a hand? I think that the worship team and Pastor Lindsay have really already preached my, le- my message. So, I mean, we could kind of wrap it up here and, and, and go on out to eat somewhere. Um, but, but just to make sure we're covered, I'll, I'll go ahead. Um, let's pray. God, we're thankful to be in your house this morning. Lord, thank you for the gift of fathers that you've put in our lives, both family and both spiritual fathers. And Lord, most of all, we want to thank you today for being such an awesome father to us. Lord, as we learn more about what that means, I just pray that you'd open our hearts to hear what you have to say today, that you would speak to our hearts and minds about the relationship that you want with us as our father. And Lord, I pray that you would speak through me today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, my opening verse today is from 2 Corinthians 6.18. Oh, I can't believe you all put that up there. So I was joking about the title of my message. And uh, can you go back to the title? Knowing God is is Father, who's your daddy? (laughs) That's that's kind of the joke of the, the name of the message. All right, okay, let's go. 2 Corinthians 6.18, God says, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. How awesome is that? You know, fathers are a pretty big deal. Now, I'm I'm biased because I am one, um, but think about it. Fathers are a big deal in our lives. We learn a lot from them. You may have learned how to tie your shoes or how to ride a bike, how to swing a hammer in my case. I remember a lot of hurt thumbs when I was trying to learn that lesson. Um, We learn about relationships. Uh, Fathers are a big deal. But perhaps the most important thing that we learn from our dads uh, is actually how we view God the Father. And that's often overlooked, but it's one of the most important things we we gain from our dads. Uh, So if your dad was understanding and caring, then you're more likely to see God the Father that way. If your dad was harsh, intimidating, then you may be more likely to kind of run from God when things went, go wrong or if you do something sinful. Or if you didn't have much of a relationship or a connection with your father, that has a pretty big impact too. It may be hard to grasp the concept of God as father. So, so that relationship with our earthly fathers is a big deal in a lot of ways, But it's also a big deal in the sense of it affects our relationship with God. Now, that's not the end of the story, thankfully, because as Pastor Lindsay mentioned, uh, sometimes there can be some difficult things, difficult relationships with our dads, uh, and it doesn't end there. Obviously, God wants us, God wants to redeem that, because really, it's not fair, is it, to base our relationship with a perfect Father in heaven off of our relationship with an imperfect man like me, right? There's a lot of good dads out there, but let's face it, none of us are perfect. We all make our mistakes. So God gets a bad rap sometimes. But what if we let God tell us what he really thinks about his role as a father? Amen? What if we let scripture tell us who he is as a father? So that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to, surprise, we're going to talk about God as father. You probably didn't see that one coming on Father's Day. Um, my dad asked me this morning if I, was gonna, what I, if I was preaching on Father's Day, and I said, no, I'm going to preach about mothers. So, it was a joke. So let's, 
it's surprising, actually, in the Old Testament, uh, God has only described his father around 15 times. And y'all know how big the Old Testament is. I mean, that's most of the Bible, right? Oh, but only 15 times was God referred to as father. But then Jesus comes on the scene. And he flipped the religious world on its head. He revolutionized the way that we see God. And guess what word he uses most often to describe God? <clears throat> I didn't hear you. Father, thank you. Uh, group participation helps me. I'm, new, I'm newer at this than Pastor Jeremy, so y'all got to help me out. You're right, Father. And guess what word he taught us to use for God? Father, that's right. He said, pray in this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So that becomes the theme of the whole New Testament, is God as Father. And the word, I love this, the word that Jesus used for Father is an Aramaic word, Abba. And Abba is like, in modern day, like saying Daddy. So we went from the Old Testament, which was very formal, and we, and we didn't very often call God Father, to Jesus comes and makes it intimate. Jesus makes it about relationship. Jesus says, he's your Abba. He's your daddy. Or as Zoe would say, dada. Right? I love that. He made it intimate. He made it a closer relationship. Like coming, to, jumping in your dad's lap and saying, daddy. That's how Jesus made it when he came on the scene. And so Jesus used that term... There was 15 times in the Old Testament. Jesus used it over 100 times in the New Testament. And by the way, this was not a metaphor. Jesus didn't say, God is like your father. It's as if God was your father. He never said that. He said, God the father. God is your father. In Ephesians 4, 6, if we can pull that up, there's an example of this. It says, there is one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. God the Father. Now there can be many points that we could, illustrations we could make about God being our Father, because fathers serve a lot of purposes. Uh, we could talk about the protection that God provides. We could talk about the teaching and the guidance. We could talk about the boundaries that God puts up in our lives, or even, that's right, the discipline. Because fathers bring discipline, right? Uh, we could talk about all those things, and so if we would have, my message would have been like two hours long. You, you're welcome. I'd, I'm going to cover three. So I want us to be able to embrace God as Father. So I've got three points about this. And the first one, we need to embrace God as provider. <clears throat> when you think of the, all the roles that fathers play, or if you go and ask one of these dads in here, you say, hey, what, what's your main job in the family? They're likely going to say, I want to provide for my family, right? It's, it's so ingrained in us as men that at times we even become workaholics. We might work too much, and that's not to the benefit of our family. Uh, but it's that ingrained in us. But I've discovered and came to a realization that the best way to provide for my family is to realize that I'm not the sole provider. Now, I don't mean that to say that my wife is, and that'd be fine if she was. I'd love for her to go out and do that, and I'll kick back a little bit, but no, I'm, that's fine. That's not even what I mean. What I mean is God is my provider. Amen? And when I 
realize that God is ultimately the provider of my family, that I'm placing that responsibility back into his hands. And guess what? It it relieves some of the pressure. Now, I still work hard. I'm still going to work hard. I'm still going to do whatever God lays before me to do. Amen? I'm going to do it heartily as unto the Lord. But I realize that God is the provider. And, and, And when we realize that, in doing so, we realize that the provision for our family is not just tied to a job. Your paying the bills is not just tied to your job. It's God. God's your provider. And I also, when, I, when we realize that, we're tapping into kingdom resources. Now that's a big deal, because God's resources are unlimited. Scripture says that he owns cattle on a thousand hill. Now, today, we might think, who owns cattle anyway? You know, what does that mean? But back in the day, that was pretty significant. If you owned a lot of cattle, that was a sign of wealth. Well, Scripture says he owns cattle on a thousand hills. That's a lot of hills. So when we tap into God as provider, we're tapping into kingdom resources. And we're less likely to cling to what we have. And we're more likely to be giving. And we're more likely to be open to receiving what else God has. Now today, if you are in need, and typically we all are, right? There's things that we we get worried about bills, we get worried about uh, expenses, medical expenses, you name it. Look to the Father. As Thomas often says, I'm glad you're here today, so I'm not taking your name in vain. Thomas often says, shame on him if he doesn't provide for me, because he's my father. And Thomas, didn't you come to America with a suitcase? Yeah. Trusting in God. You are his child. He's your father. He's your provider. It's awesome. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs. I'm sorry, some of your needs. Is that what it says? All of your needs, according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Every need of yours, the Father knows about, he cares about. Now, let me ask you, does that mean that you get everything you want? It doesn't say wants, does it? I'm sorry. That's a different translation. It does say needs. Sometimes what we think we need and what God says we need is different, right? And so there's this trust relationship that has to take place. We have to know that, hey, things might not always look like the way that I thought they will go. But I know who's in control. I know who my father is. And he's in charge. And he will supply all my needs. Important point with this, though, guys, it's not, does it, it's not just monetary things. As important as paying the bills is and keeping the a roof over your head and food in your belly, we like, we like our food. It's not just about that, right? But God provides so much more. He provides comfort in your affliction. He's the God of all comfort. He provides truth to guide you in this life. He provides strength against temptation. Strength to stand when you don't have enough strength of your own, going through hard times. Amen? 
His promises are, are true, and He'll never forsake you, and He'll never leave you. So God provides for our emotional needs, our spiritual needs, our physical needs, every need of yours through Christ Jesus. It's a trust relationship. What are you trusting Him with today, or what do you need to trust Him with? What's been gnawing at you? What's been keeping you up at night? What's been worrying you? That's an invitation to trust God. Amen? So we embrace God as provider, and God knows that what we need most is actually Him. It's actually more of God. And so He calls us into a close relationship, and this is point number two. God calls us to embrace relationship or embrace His presence. Do you know Christianity is actually the only religion in the world where God actually took a step towards man? Where God takes a step towards us? Every other religion, it's man through works, trying to be holy, trying to be closer to God, trying to be worthy of God. There's some pretty intense things out there. If you look at some of the Eastern religions where, you know, they, you know, live in a temple their whole lives and they just meditate all the time or they even abuse themselves, hitting themselves. And there's, there's some pretty intense stuff out there. And it's all about them trying to be good enough to be holy with the Creator. But God said, no, that's not how it works. God has taken a step towards us through his son, Jesus, and sent his son, Jesus, to give his life so that we, so that he could tear down the wall of separation of sin between us. That's all about relationship. That's your father wanting to be close to you. It's the only religion. That's how you know, like, that's the real one, right? When you, you remember those word questions in school, and it was like, which one stands out? Which one doesn't fit? right? All these others, the theme is man reaching to God and trying to be good enough, and in Christianity, God has reached to you. Amen? Relationship. Your Father longs to be close to you. That's why Scripture says that His love endures forever. His mercy endures forever. Have you ever thought, why is God so merciful? I mean, He's all-powerful, I mean, the dude could be like, I'm, okay, let's start over. All right, right? But why is he so merciful? Because he longs for relationship with you, with us, with his creation. I just think that's awesome. He's not there to hold back mercy from us. He didn't send Christ to suffer and die so that he could then wave grace and mercy like a carrot on a stick before us that we could just never reach? He did it so that we could just come to Him and clean our heart, clean our lives, and accept His Son. Wow. He didn't make it hard to get. He's 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 not playing hard to get. He made it easy because He wants relationship. Now, some people will abuse that mercy right? Some people will choose to live their own way and and not turn to God. 
and think they can get away with anything. And that's not what God's intention was. But he loves us so much that he gave us free will. He said, I don't want robots. I want sons and daughters. Wow. That's how much God wants relationship with you. So we must embrace his presence. And if you ever doubt God's feelings towards you, I don't know if you've ever been there. I, I've, I have. I've had times when I just blew it. And I was like, oh, gosh. And it, God, you must be like, really? I must not be on your, not your nice list right now. You know, and like, God, you know, you must really be mad at me. And, and, and that keeps you from repentance, right? You run from God. But if you ever feel that way, I guess, I'm, am I the only one that's ever felt that way? Okay. Um, if you ever feel that way, turn to Psalm 139. And we're going to pull that up here. In Psalm 139, I think this is a Psalm of David. He says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. <clears throat> you know when I sit down and, and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. I don't understand my thoughts sometimes. Are you with me? It says, you scrutinize my path and my lying down. I had to look that up because I'm like, I feel like I know what that means, but do I really know? Scrutinize means to examine or inspect closely and thoroughly. Whoa, God is inspecting me right now. <laughs> that's kind of a big deal. But that's how intimate he is with you. He knows you thoroughly. It says, you are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Listen to the wording that he uses here. Wow. And then we go on to verse 17. Are you with me? And he says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. So if we turn that around, God's thoughts are precious towards you. So you remember a while ago, and sometimes we feel like God is like, ah, Brandon, you know, mad at me. Well, sure, he disciplines. Sure, I, you know, he wants me to walk closely with him and righteously and holy. But his thoughts are precious towards me. If I fall, if I mess up, what's God want me to do? He wants me to come back to him. He wants me to come into his arms and say, Abba, Father, I need you right now because I'm, I'm broken and I'm hurting and I've done wrong. That's our God. So how precious to me are your thoughts, God? How vast is the sum of them? Check this out. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand, the grains of sand. Anybody been to the beach? All right, a few of you have. You can't shake the sand. You can't get rid of it, right? As much as you try, you know, they have those little, like, shower things, that, you know, and you go and you rinse off, try to get all the sand off, that helps a lot. But then by the time you get to the car, it's like, where does this stuff come from? And your car is full of sand. Pastor Jeremy and Haley are dealing with this right now. Right? When they listen to this, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Because the sand is everywhere. I wouldn't even try to count the sand. I mean, you, you could still go out to my van now, even though it's been detailed since we came back from the beach, and you find some sand, right? You can't shake it, and you can't shake God's thoughts towards you. His thoughts towards us outnumber the sand. I can't even get my head around that. Because I'm little person. He's, he's God. He's got a lot of thoughts, and they're precious towards me. So, so if, 
at times you may feel insignificant. You may feel ashamed. You may feel guilty. You may feel less than, broken, irreparable. But you're not. And at those times, I just want to encourage you, church, go to Psalm 139. Let your father take some time to speak to you about what he really thinks, about how precious you are. Embrace his presence. Embrace relationship. Are you all with me? Yeah. All right. We're doing good. All right. So, point number three. Last point. But we're not done yet, so don't, don't start packing your bags. Number three, so we've embraced God as provider. <clears throat> we embrace his presence. Number three, embrace, it's time to embrace your birthright. Did you get that? Embrace your birthright. <clears throat> to illustrate this, I want to read out of Luke 15. And this is a familiar story to us all about the prodigal son. Uh, by the way, did you know the word prodigal actually means wasteful? Keep that in mind as we read this story. Uh, so Jesus is, is speaking to Pharisees and scribes and, and uh, always you know, teaching through word lessons. And here, here's what he says. He says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Uh, so the father divided his property between them. Now, this would have been quite the insult in the time. Now, in that time and era in this culture, and Hebrew culture, it was very, uh, very much you should respect your parents, honor your parents. And uh, for this young man to go to his father and say, hey, I, I can't wait until you kick the bucket. Basically is what he's saying. You know, go ahead and give me what, what's going to come to me later. Uh, it, it was quite the insult. And as the younger brother, he would have received a third of the estate. The older brother would have gotten a double portion. He would have gotten two-thirds he would have received a third of it. And apparently this guy was pretty wealthy. He had some cattle, right? And he had servants. And so this guy inherited quite a bit. And let's see what he does with it. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Now I'll let you use your imagination for what wild living is. Okay, if you can think it, you can, yeah, that's probably it. And he, he went to a distant land because he didn't want anybody looking over his shoulder. He didn't want any other Jews around telling him, ah, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. So he went into a pagan land where he could just squander his money and, and live however he chose. All right? All right. So, where was I? After he had spent everything he had, it doesn't tell us how long that took. I mean, it could have been a couple weeks. It could have been some years. We don't know. But after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. I'll set out. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed a spot. So he went out, and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country, <clears throat> and he, who sent him into the fields to feed his pigs. Now remember, for Jews, pigs are an unclean animal. So this is, he is low. Like the, the bottom of the barrel right now, y'all. Anybody ever been there? I've been there. You don't have to raise your hand. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, 
I mean, that's how hungry he was, y'all. I'm not going to talk too much on food because we'll all get hungry like that and I'll lose you. But it says no one was giving him anything. Now here's the moment. Here's the moment where he realizes the significance of who his father is and who he is. Check this out. When he came to his senses, that's his light bulb moment. He came to his senses, thank God. And he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and I'll go back to my father and I'm going to say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He's, he's ready to settle. He's like, I'm going to crawl back and I'm, I'm going to just work for my dad. Maybe he'll just give me a job cleaning out the toilets or feeding the livestock. I don't care what it is. That's, how he, that's where he is, right? But he knows that it's better in his father's house than what he's had in the world. So he got up and he went to his father. Y'all, this is repentance. But while he was still a long way off, guess what happens? His father saw him. And he was filled with compassion for him, his son. He ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Let me tell you, church, it doesn't matter what kind of filth has covered your life. This guy had been feeding the pigs. You know he didn't smell too fresh. And what did the father do? He met him on the way. When we take steps towards God, he takes steps towards us. And guess what? His thoughts are bigger than ours. Or his steps are bigger than ours. And he threw his arms around that dirty, filthy, pig-smelling son. And he hugged him. And he kissed him. He greeted him as a son. Wow. That's the mercy of our father. That's the grace of our father. And so the, here's the son. He's got this speech prepared. And he's, here he goes. <clears throat> father. He says, I have sinned against heaven. And I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And before he could get the last part out, his dad interrupts him. And he says to him, quick, servants, bring the best robe and put it on him. He's going to cover that filth, y'all, with a robe, with a garment, a royal robe. And that's what Jesus does, does to us. When we come to him, he covers our filth, and not just covers it, he cleans it away. And, and we are then clothed in righteousness. Awesome. So he put his, the best robe on him. And he put a ring on his finger. Now what does that mean? The ring at that time was very important. It actually was a signet ring that had a, a, like a crest for the family. And it had power with that ring. You could, you'd take wax. You've probably seen this in movies where they like dip it in wax. And they put it on the letter, stamp the letter with it. It was an official seal of the family. He was giving the son back his power, his authority, his place in the family. Restoring it all. And he put sandals on his feet. And he said, bring the fattened, fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. They had a party, y'all. <clears throat> what an awesome picture of God's grace and mercy towards us. And how, in an instant, 
<clears throat> when we turn our hearts back to God, he restores us back not to be a servant. You see, we're not employees of God. Like, we're not working for a paycheck. You know, I'm not looking like, oh, man, I can't wait till Friday so I can get off from being a Christian this week and, you know, do what I want this weekend. No. Right? We are, as a son and daughter, as sons and daughters, you are always a son. You are always a daughter of God. You don't lose that. When you come to Christ, it's all restored. And so it's not by works, right? We're not employees, but it's by position. It's by grace, unmerited favor from God. When we've misused God's freedom, we find ourselves like this son in a place where we're broken and alone, hungry, where the world doesn't satisfy. He thought, oh, I could take this money, I could do all this with it. He thought the worldly things would satisfy, right? And he, and he was left hungrier than he'd ever been in his life. And he realized, God, he realized my uh, relationship with my father will restore that. And that's how we are with God the Father. He satisfies so to embrace God as Father means that we embrace our identity, our birthright as sons and daughters. See, I told you all you preached my message this morning through worship and, uh, and what you said. God's, God's, we're all on the same page. God's doing something. And we didn't even talk and meet before service. We didn't get our note cards together. <clears throat> to wrap up, <clears throat> did you know that God has written you a love letter? He has. He's called the Bible. And some smart person out there, smarter than I am, <clears throat> got the idea to, to paraphrase scriptures. I mean, this is straight from the Bible, paraphrased, and it is a love letter from God to you, his children. And I, want, I just want to read this to you all. And bear with me. It's a little bit long, but it is good. And I, just, I can't go without doing this this morning, okay? So... Keep this in mind. Every line that I read is straight from Scripture. It's paraphrased a little bit. Um, so this is from God to us as his children. My child, you may not know me, <clears throat> but I know everything about you. <clears throat> I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake. For all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I've been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I'm not distant and angry, but I'm the complete expression of love. And it's my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could. For I am the perfect Father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand. 
for I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. Thank God for that. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain that you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father, and I love you even as I love my Son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you and not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Y'all can play. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything, everything I loved, that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. And nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father, and I will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I'm waiting for you. Love, your dad, almighty God.